All right, it's Monday, May 24th. Welcome to another Steelers podcast. Uh, we're missing one of our guys today. Paul uh, is tied up, so he took the week off. But, hey, I got Joe here. Joe, you and I need to make up for Paul today. Can we I do guess. it? Uh, I, does that mean that uh, one of us needs to be more negative? I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, Paul's usually a negative guy. I'm kind of the <laughs> guy in the middle. And he would say realistic, but uh, Joe's know. like the grass is always green. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm, but it'll be good. We're, we're like missing a guy. We're, we're missing Devin Bush and you That's and I right. are the Robert Spillane and Marcus <laughs> Allen of, of these linebackers. We need to come in and make a, a good appearance. That's right. Yeah. Fill in and, uh, you know, just to run the defense that was planned. Just try to hold things together and don't give up too much yardage. That's what we're trying to do today. Now, you are Bud Dupree, so if you get injured halfway during the podcast and you have to leave, this could get bad. Oh, like my. it was for the Steelers defense last year. So, come on, that Bud. That was not good. I don't like that as a metaphor. That's scary. That's, right. if, that, if that were to happen, that's that's rough. Well, and the other bad thing is you might get a huge contract offer from some podcasts in Tennessee. So, you know, yeah. it's these are things that happen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll have to figure out what's going on there. But hey, you know, we we meet once a week. We talk about the latest and greatest in Steelers news. As we all know, we're in the off season. Thankfully, there's not a lot going on. But we, you know, let's go with the kind of latest and greatest in Steelers news over the weekend. Um, you know, the draft happened a couple weeks ago now. Um, you know, the Steelers they had some death issues. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't have enough draft picks to take care of all the death issues we had. So Steelers made their picks, which is great. But, you know, as we expected, there was going to be some death issues afterwards. And, you know, we were been kind of talking in the past couple weeks saying, should we sign somebody? And now we're starting to get some, I don't know, should we say conversation, Joe? I mean, I don't think we're super close to signing anybody, but at least there's some discussions going on. Um, I got three for you. Uh, let's tackle the first one. Uh, Richard Sherman. Now, a lot of these guys we're going to talk about, if this was a 2013 <laughs> podcast, we'd be like, holy crap, Richard Sherman, bring him in a second. Uh, it's the greatest cornerback of all time. But remember, this is 2021 podcast, and right. the Richard Sherman, he's not the same Richard Sherman. I would say he's still a good Richard Sherman, but he's not, wow, Richard Sherman. Uh, he was on a, a national sports show um, recently. Um, the uh, the host, Stephen A. Smith, is a mid-Sewers fan. Uh, they were talking about possible destinations. Well, Stephen A's doing the Lord's work. He's saying, come on, Richard, would you consider <laughs> Pittsburgh? And, you know, I told you beforehand, Joe, when you and I have been unemployed before, when we're unemployed, hey, if you want us, we're going to say yes. So right. Richard Sherman, like a smart guy, said, yeah, I'll play for Pittsburgh. If Stephen A asked about the Browns, yeah, I'll play for the Browns. I mean, he's not going to say no to hardly anybody. But still, we're Steelers fans. We're a little weak at cornerback. So we get a little bit excited. Now, Richard, you would think, would want more money. I think the Steelers have a little over $10 million left in the salary cap. We need to keep a couple million free because you never know. You might have to sign something during the year because of injuries. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe the Steelers could offer $3 million. Any chance that could happen? Doesn't seem like it. It yeah. seems like he's looking for more money than the Steelers are going to be. Uh, capable of paying, not even that there aren't they're unwilling, they're just not really capable at this point. Uh, it'd be great to have Richard Sherman and his experience and his uh, his view of the field, him him in the locker room, uh, helping groom some of these younger guys who are who are coming in who who need a little bit of that perspective. That'd be fantastic. However, uh, Pittsburgh does not have the money to throw around to somebody like Rick, Richard Sherman. Even a 2021 Richard Sherman is going to cost more money than the Steelers have to throw at him. Uh, so this is this is one of the ca those cases where Richard was being smart uh, on, a, on an interview chat show. You know, if he said just about any team, he was going to say, well, you know, I'm interested, but they haven't called right. me. Um, there's a lot of people who haven't called him. Uh, they're trying to solve their problems in probably a little bit more financially efficient way. Uh, but I think he'll end up with, he'll end up somewhere. Uh, but I, I kind of doubt it's going to be Pittsburgh. 
I kind of wonder, and there's other teams that still have a decent amount of salary cap room left. I, I'd like to put myself in these players' minds to say, you know, do you still want to play football bad enough where you say, hey, I'll take this prove-it deal somewhere, if it's Pittsburgh or Cleveland or, or wherever it happens to be. Um, I won't make that much money, but, man, hopefully I'll have a great year. And then, holy cow, somebody's going to pay me a ton of money the following year. But then on the other hand, I mean, Richard Sherman was a double-digit, you know, millions type of player. I mean, can you imagine? If, let's say you worked someplace last year. You got laid off. And let's say some other place called you and said, man, Joe, we'd love to have you work for us, but you're going to have to take 75% of what you got paid before. And you might sit there and say, okay, well, at least it's a paycheck. I could take that. But, man, that's a lot less money. And yeah. I know $3 million versus $12 million is a lot different conversation than, you know, if it's 50000 versus 20000 I mean, I know we're in different plants here, but still – I don't think I would do that professionally. If I wouldn't do that, why should we expect Richard Sherman to do that? I think a difference here is going to be that he was in line for that kind of uh, pay decrease anyway. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a shape to uh, the contracts that players get, especially as they age. You know, it's not unexpected that at some point when they're negotiating a new contract, they're just going to have to settle for less than what they were getting when they were prime. Um. That's I don't feel like that's uncommon or unreasonable. So there's probably a pay cut coming anyway, just because he's past his prime. And if he's wanting to continue to play, then you have to start weighing, okay, is it worth all of the the, the struggle that it's going to be for somebody who's my age to still try to suit up and, and play against these younger guys? Um, it's going to be for less money basically anywhere he goes, I would imagine, than what he was making. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. I still think, and, you know, hey, we're a Steelers podcast. We don't like the Browns. I kind of wonder, though, well, look at J.J. White. J.J. White had every reason to come to Pittsburgh. You know, his brothers play there and everything else. But, you know, obviously Pittsburgh would have been able to offer a $3 million contract, too. And mm -hmm. it ended up being – I think we can make an argument to say, I'm not sure if Arizona is a Super Bowl contender. But Arizona was able to pay him a lot more money, and that's why J.J. White ended up in Arizona. I still think there are other teams out there that are definitely contenders that have money where if Richard Sherman finally gets the place where he says, screw it, man, I'm, I need to play football this year, that there's other contenders could pay him more than Pittsburgh could. I think that's what's going to end up being. That makes sense. <laughs> you see, I mean, like you said, it's not going to be a max contract deal, but it's going to be more than, than Pittsburgh can really allocate right now. Yeah, I, I saw an article over the weekend that kind of confused me, and, and maybe I'm reading the situation wrong. Uh, there's a story that was shared by MSN, and I believe it's uh, Pittsburgh Steelers' uh, blog with USA Today, where you know they were talking about veteran options that the Steelers have a cornerback. They mentioned the Richard Sherman possibility, which is a possibility. And I think the fact there. that – Yeah, and the fact that you mentioned it, I think it's definitely worth talking about. They mm -hmm. also brought up Steven Nelson. Now – if you remember, you know, Steven Nelson made $8 million last year. Um, he abruptly got cut, and there were some questions about, was it a salary cap casualty? I heard some reports saying that they were looking to make a deal with him to bring him back on a reduced salary, and he said, hey, guys, sorry, I can't do that, so they ended up releasing him. They tried to trade him without no luck. Well, this article here is kind of speculating, saying, look, you know, he's not showing interest anywhere else. Maybe he's just trying to take the summer off. Maybe it's like a Vince Williams deal where they released him, but he's willing to come back. Joe, am I reading the situation wrong? I, I don't see it. Not that Steven Nelson's not a loyal guy, but I, I think Vince Williams was coming from a little bit of a different cloth in terms of how long he's been with Pittsburgh and everything else. I don't think Steven Nelson hates the Steelers, but if Steven Nelson was reluctant at playing – paying for about $8 million, do we really think he's going to come back for 2 to $3 million for a year? I don't see it happening. Well, I think he's willing to come back rather than sit at home. I mean, there's a there, there's that. I think, you know, going into those contract negotiations and whatever, you're, you're, you want to play the market, and the, and the Steelers are like, sure, go ahead and do that. That's fine um, because we're not sure that we can – we can't bring you back at 8. We can't do – 
what we've just been doing. Uh, so it's going to have to be less. So if you want to go test the market, that's that's fine. I think the Steelers would would welcome him back, and I I, I think on a certain level, you, you'd rather you'd rather take that reduced pay than uh, than not play for somebody yeah, at, at at Nelson's stage. That's a I'll little bit different than Sherman, but yeah, I, I think. There's a little bit of overhype going on with Steven Nelson, but I think Steven Nelson's good, and I think he's better than you know what the Steelers have now. I, I'm wondering though, even with Cam Sutton, did Cam Sutton resign with the Steelers with the expectation he'd be a starter? I, I I don't know, but you know it stays NFL. You need three cornerbacks out there. I mean, it's not like right. the old school days where you had two receivers, a tight end, and two running backs. I mean, you know. I mean, think about when you play the Chiefs. You probably need four or five cornerbacks out there at one time. You know, that's right. You got to be able yeah, to rotate so. people out. You got to have people in reserve. This, yeah. I mean, you could come back with the expectation you're going to be a starter, but you know, all things being equal, if something happens, then something happens. What are you going to do? Do you? So you let's go, go back to the locker room and get your get the copy of your contract. So, but I'm supposed to be a starter. I doubt that. <laughs> I mean, he may have that expectation, right. but I, no one's committing to anything. Would you think that – could you see Richard Sherman sitting out for a year if he wasn't happy with a finance? Richard's older. I, swear, I don't think he could. I don't think at this stage he doesn't have years to throw away, you know. Okay. I, I think he really needs to keep it going uh, or or it's going to be a big, big challenge for him. I think he'll take less money somewhere – I just think it'll be for more money than the Steelers will have for him. I don't know. Sometimes sometimes these guys are making decisions that have to do with, with family, where they've been settled. He's been on the on the West Coast, Pacific Northwest, for a long time. Um, so I you know, it's hard to say whether or not he'd be open to come on a on a reduced salary to move across the country with his family, pull kids out of school, do all of that nonsense to come here for two million dollars. Like that. That does that. That doesn't necessarily make make life sense to me, uh, but he may end up with with a uh, staying West Coast, you know, staying closer to where his family has been settled. It, it, you know, well, there's going to be somebody who's going to find money for him. It just not probably isn't us. I know the NFL is different than like playing Madden video games. I know, like you said, there's life. Things that have to come into it. There's, yeah. hey, do you have kids in school? Uh, what's your wife doing? Like, is the, your wife the, the connections to the connections to right. assistant coaches somewhere somewhere right. down the line? We don't even know who they are, but it's somebody's best friend from college, and we had no idea. Yeah. You know, and so maybe, you just yeah. want to be there with people that you know. Maybe their mom and dad live in the area. I mean, there, there's a lot that go into it, but I, I'm really surprised. And I know Steven Nelson isn't like the best cornerback in the NFL or anything. I'm wondering why Steven Nelson is sitting out there. I mean, is he telling teams I want 15 million a year? And he seems like, oh, you're not worth 15 million. I mean, you would think. I, I mean, I, I'm surprised guys like Richard Sherman or Steven Nelson are sitting out there. I mean, I'm surprised that it's casualty because of this reduced salary cap. Okay. You know, teams are having to find ways of doing it, and there's guys who keep wanting to step up. And uh, you know, climb that financial ladder, but this is the wrong year to do it. Well, I'm kind of wondering too, and you may make the argument for Steelers here too, saying, "Yeah, to say, hey, is Richard Sherman better than James Pierre now?" Yeah, I think we could say yes, he is. Probably. But then on the other hand, if the Steelers really want to see James Pierre play, if you keep on bringing veterans in, you're never going to watch James Pierre play. So maybe they say, "Hey, look." This is his time. We think he could be a great cornerback in the NFL, but we got to get him put in a position where he plays more. I mean, I think that, that factor could be it too. Absolutely. Well, and, and where they're not willing too. to flex up and, and pay more money for somebody when they have a person in hand that they want to get on the field more. Right. Well, and I think about this too. I'm excited about Najee Harris for the Steelers. Um, I think he's going to have a good year. Now, Looking I still think, hey, wouldn't it be great to bring another veteran running back that helps put the carries? Maybe the Steelers are saying, look, no, we want Najee to be the guy. So if we brought in veteran X, like you know, we talked about Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, we don't want somebody taking 10 carries a, a game from him. You know, He's our guy. So teams think about it differently. It's not just saying, 
man, I want a bunch of guys rated highly like you do in Madden where you say, you know, let's just get the highest rated guys on the team no matter what. There's a lot of morale and there's a lot of, hey, we want to see this guy play that, you know, we don't get other places. Yeah, we a, a lot that goes into, you know, the attitude of those those rooms. You know, you want somebody to come into the the running back room who's, you know, not not just going to be able to to add some carries, but who's going to be able to be a veteran presence, who's going to be able to be a leader, a mentor, and somebody who comes in with the understanding, yeah, beginning of this season, we're going to have to get, get you 10 carries a game. But, you know, a third of the way through this season, the expectation is Najee is going to take those carries back. We're going to be handing it off to him more, especially as he gets more experience and gets ready to go. Um, so somebody has to come in here, sign a contract, move their family to Pittsburgh and say, uh, I'm okay with that, uh, in order to be able to, to survive the, uh, the, the transition to this new team. So uh, that takes a special person, not a whole lot of people, especially guys who are a little bit older and who are used to be in the feature, uh, want to put themselves through all of the extra training that it's going to take to get them ready at this age for a little bit less money and less carries. Like you just got to be addicted to football in a way that not a whole lot of these guys <laughs> really are to go through all of that effort. There's a lot of people who would rather to make the transition. Why don't I just be a coach then and not have to do all of the physical training? Yeah. And you're right. Like, you know, going back to the Cam Sutton discussion, maybe they didn't make him that promise, but maybe the thought is saying, Hey, he's a young guy. We want him to develop a one to sign that next contract. So we're going to put him out there. We think he can you know, improve himself. Good. And so that becomes another question with Steven Nelson or, or, um, you know, Richard Sherman is, are those guys willing to come in to be the third cornerback? I don't yeah. know. That's tough. And but it's also, things. but it's also a factor for them to say, I don't want to train all summer. I know what I'm doing. I'll be ready to go. I'll sign that contract when it gets closer to the time. Okay. Yeah, there's a factor there, but if you sign that contract now, you're coming in for a workout or whatever. Man, you wait till August. <laughs> hey, kick your yeah, feet up. You probably exactly. got money saved. You know, I'll let you play done. that first preseason game without me, and then you'll say, oh, we really need some corner help. Definitely. So, <laughs> all right. Lots of interesting thoughts with that. So, um, yeah, a couple of the things that we have in addition to this, um, the Steelers also have a need at outside linebacker. Um, you know, we have TJ Watt, definitely great. Uh, we have, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, I, I think they'll hang on to him. I think he'll make the team, he'll make the final 53. Um, Highsmith, uh, this is a big year for Highsmith. Um, I think there's pressure. I mean, right now he's just starting other outside linebacker. He's not Bud Dupree. I, I, I don't want to put too high of expectations on him. But I think if Heisman needs to be solid, he's got to take that pressure off Watt. And I think, you know, it takes the blockers off Watt if you have another threat out there. But we've talked about this before. Uh, Quincy Roach, uh, they picked him up in the sixth round. A lot of people are high on him. They say, hey, he could have been drafted a lot higher. But right now he's your number three. And then our our favorite, and I, I said of air quotes, boy Cassius Marsh, who had a very tough time last year in the playoffs against the Browns. He's your fourth. I I, I gotta say, man, um, Joe, I want another outside linebacker here. Um, the Steelers, according to Adam Schefter, were interested in talking with Ryan Kerrigan, who is a kind of a veteran uh pass rusher, never uh, he made me a pro bowl or two, not a stud stud, but a solid guy. He ended up going with the Eagles, but there's a lot of other guys out there. Um, I'm looking at this behind the steel curtain article from last week. They're mentioning guys like Olivier Ver uh, Vernon uh, from mm -hmm. the Browns, Melvin Ingram from the Chargers, Justin Houston from the uh, Colts, Everson Griffin from the Lions. Now, Joe, a lot of these guys, again, if you look at the 2021 version, it's a lot different than the version from a couple of years ago. But, man, I'd take – I mean, beyond the still couldn't did a great job. They listed 15 linebackers here. I'd take mm -hmm. all 15 over Cassius Marsh. Um, I think you said it great in our first break. Um, you know, talking about, hey, look, these things take time. You know, don't get too excited. Uh, sometimes guys want to wait, but – 
man, we got four alarm fire going on. You know, we can't have Cassius Marsh as a regular guy. Uh, why can't we sign one of these other guys, Joe? Oh, there's no reason we can't sign one of these guys. I think probably we will. Uh, hoping that that uh, helps cover some of the, the need there. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to see Olivier Vernon uh, suit up for the for the Steelers. That would be wonderful. Um, but, again, we're in this dead time during the summer. So, uh, so a lot of these guys are, are vets and would, would like to heal up a little bit extra. To, to come back with a little bit extra fuel in the tank. So I wouldn't expect to see any of these guys sign until we get real close. Uh, I mean, probably into July, somebody's going to want to suit up and immediately get into, get into pads and, and play the hall of fame game. So it'll be late, but uh, they're good. They good. They're going to need more help. That's, if that's I, all there is to it. If I ever became an NFL general manager, you'd be my nemesis. I mean, can you imagine, you know, we become the next GM duo of the Steelers after, okay. you know, Colbert takes off eventually. And I'm the guy who the day after the Super Bowl, I'm like, good night, Joe. There's all these guys available. Let's bring them in. Sign them out. Sign them out. You know, I'll be like calling Richard Sherman going, dude, you got half hour. Make your decision soon, buddy. Here's your contract. You know, I, I would be bugging the heck out of everybody. Uh, but but you, you're preaching to patience, man. You're saying, look. Patience is a virtue, man. Yes. Especially especially when trying to deal with the personalities of professional football players. <laughs> like you're just going to yes. have to be patient with some of these guys. But the, you're going to find the you're going to find the guy every so often who's going to be as impatient as you. And right. he's going to want to sign right away and know where they're going and, and playing way ahead. But I think there's a lot of these guys who are at this point, especially the veterans, who at this point find are, are more accustomed to that. I, I have to take care of myself. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to perform uh, who, who are likely to be a little bit more patient in the process. So that comes with experience on the players parts as well, that uh, the experienced people are going to have a little more confidence in themselves and uh, be a little more patient. These guys are soft. There's some guys that we're very familiar with. These guys are all in their early thirties. Um, you know, we we hear talk. Um, you know, um, Richard Sherman's going to be thirty three soon. Would you trust a thirty something defensive um, guy in your team? Sure. There's a lot to be said for experience, and you know, it's clear Sherman. Vernon, these people have uh, have a lot of experience and a lot of success in a lot of places. And so anybody who can come in and, and talk about this is how I've been successful before, knowing themselves well enough to know that the, the success they've had before is repeatable uh, and knows and understands how it happened. Uh, those are people that you want around. At the very least, it gives you other ideas and more options. Uh, so if you're all of a sudden you, you hit a game and suddenly everything isn't working, it's nice to have more options and know that somebody has another idea. You're down with uh, Vernon. I kind of like me some Justin Houston. Mm -hmm. um, he had some big sack tools recently with the Chiefs. Uh, had some injury problems. He, he saw eight sacks last year for the Colts. Uh, why are you so high on Vernon? Uh, I just, I've watched him more and I know, so I've, I've, I've paid attention to him more. I'll say it. I'll, I won't lie. At one point, I had him on a fantasy team. And oh, so I watched him a lot when he was on my fantasy team. I paid a lot of attention to what he was doing, and he, he had a lot of success for me on my fantasy team. Uh, I know that that doesn't always translate to, you know, successful on, on the actual field. But uh, I just I've paid attention to him and watched him more than some of the other guys. Interesting. Justin Houston came in the league at 2011 for the Chiefs. Um, he had 10, 11, then 22 sacks the next couple seasons. Hasn't hit that total recently, um, but his last year of KC was last two years of KC. He had nine and a half and nine sacks. Um, he spent the last two years of the Colts 11 sacks in 2019, eight sacks in 2020. So It'd be interesting. Uh, a lot of it too would depend on money, but you know, like you said, if these guys won't play next year. I think the money's kind of drying up out there. 
Yeah, this is a long list of people who are available. I'll just say that. Yeah. There's not room for all of these guys to get hired. And so at some point you get motivated. And if you uh, turn your nose up at too many contracts, there's too many guys on the list uh, who will take them and you will take nothing. I would say outside linebacker, I want a guy who could come in and be the three, see how Highsmith um, starts. And if Highsmith has some trouble, you can bring this guy in for number two. Is that your thinking? Yeah. Very we really cool. want to see what Highsmith's going to be able to do this year. But you've got some insurance. I mean, hey, I like right. what they're saying about um, Quincy, the guy they got from the University of Miami. I'm right. not – I mean, let's <laughs> – I'm glad we had draft pick that people are excited about. But let's hopefully bring in somebody else to help, you know, bring him along. Like right now, if God forbid anything ever happened to T.J. Watt or Highsmith, you know, Quincy Roach or Marsh is your next two guys. Which, ugh, that yeah. scares, scares me half to death. Um. Let's also talk about this. Now, I've kind of promised uh, everybody at the beginning of offseason, we're not going to spend a lot of time on rumors, but wanted to have an expanded show here to talk a little bit about stuff. Interesting, um, the rumor mill talked about tackle. Now, the Sears did draft um, Dan Moore um, at tackle uh, mm-hmm. from Texas A&M. Um, there, there are high in Zach Banner, and again, you know, the biggest thing Zach Barrett did was unfortunately got hurt for the year. Um, you got Chooks Okafor uh, as your ever tackle. Eh, not super thrilled with how he was last year, but, you know, it's his first year. I mean, I'm not sure what you could expect from him in his first year. Uh, there was some talk saying, hey, there might be some guys out there. Um, the Bears recently released a offensive lineman. Some talked to the Sears might be interested in him. He ended up going to Washington, and when he went to Washington, Morgan Moses got released from Washington. Um, Moses has played a couple years. Um, he's been a starting guy. Um, he's out there. Um, he's been their starting uh, right tackle since the start of the 2015 season. You know, here's the only thing, okay, you know, this guy at the Bears release, there's a reason why the Bears release him. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And he got picked up on Washington, who released their other guy. And honestly, Washington had a good year last year because of their defense. It wasn't because of their stellar offensive line. Now, you can make the argument saying, well, hey, maybe it's Moses' guy. He's better than Chuktoko for, or maybe he can give Zach Banner a run for his money, which is possible. But are, are we getting way too excited because of the uncertainty of our tackles? Maybe a little bit. Uh, there's there's concern. There's not a whole lot of uh, super positive experience with the people who are currently listed as as a, as the tackle. So, uh, you know, you get anxious when you don't have those steady rock guys and those people who uh, who have all left, and those are the people that you recognize holding down the line for so long. Uh, you get a little bit nervous and you want to you just want to shore things up and make sure there's a good competition and we get the best that we can get. Uh, I I'm a little concerned at the the salary that uh, that uh, Mo, uh, Morgan Moses is you know commanding at this point. This is there were some rumors uh, Steelers Wire thought that it was a good idea that the Steelers trade for him, but the guy was carrying too much salary along right. alongside, so the trade was a difficult one to make. So it's possible that we end up getting him for less than what he would have had trade value for, and. You know, then it's just smart on the Steelers' part to get get a bargain. Uh, I can't on that imagine front. getting paid more than three million. And if he wanted more, or somebody else paying more, you're not gonna get him. I mean, but I think it's one of it's. He's one of the yeah. If he's just been around long enough that uh, <laughs> that salary creeps up over time, uh, then getting that release and getting it back down to a place where it, he's he's earning what he can, what we can pay for, uh, get good good mileage out of him at that point. So with the rest of the draft picks we have to sign, we have about ten million left. If you're looking at paying somebody two to three million, I mean, you probably could get two guys max. And again, that's assuming some of these guys want pay play for that type of money. You know, we talked about cornerback, we talked about outside linebacker, we talked about tackle. Um, I mean, I mean, I think that's your main spots where we could still use some help. 
if we can only get one or two guys, what's your priority in terms of, oh, my gosh, you know, we need somebody here this bad? Well, I like the idea of shoring up some offensive line. Uh, okay. That's something that we've been talking about for a long time here, um, that uh, offensive line is, is so key to what Najee Harris is going to be able to do uh, and what where things started to fall apart for us last year. Uh, that's one place that it would be really nice to have a, a little bit more security. Um, I would probably at that point say um, cornerback. So I, I, I'd look for a corner and I'd look for a, an offensive tackle. That's me. I, I share your concern about offensive line. I'm really, really scared about outside linebacker. Um, I mean, you know, TJ Watt's been pretty healthy so far. Yep. I mean, we're assuming a lot. And again, we're into a 17-game season. It's a longer season. I think injuries could play a bigger role for everybody. I hope TJ Watt stays healthy. I'm not saying he won't. But, man, if we get injury on the outside linebacker, especially T.J. Watt, good night. I mean, I think we survived Devin Bush being hurt when Bud Dupree went out. I think that's when things started slipping a little bit. And I'm not saying that's why the season ended the way it did, but that was an injury that was a little bit harder to overcome. Yeah, um, I mean, those are two major pieces of a, of a defense. Yeah. So losing both of them is just madness. To think that yeah. that's not going to affect how things go. And I'm not saying I wouldn't like to have an outside linebacker. I absolutely would like to add one, too. But you asked for which two I thought were the most right. important. And cornerback is one of those spots where we we struggle on a regular basis, and I'd love for that to stop happening. Um, and that usually comes because we're choosing outside linebackers over quarterbacks. So well, <laughs> I put this way. I, I would probably go outside linebacker, cornerback, tackle. And not to say a tackle is a bad choice. We need help in all three, and I think you can make a good argument either way. Mm-hmm. I mean, pray for health <laughs> with our yes. guys. Pray that yes. we don't have the injury problems we had last year. Seems and like a again, bad year. Seems like a bad year for them to have reduced the salary cap and and added a game. Yes. Like this is a year where it would have been nice to have been able to add an extra player. You know, increase the roster number so that you have some extra guys uh, standing around who can help out. Well, and I think NFL, I mean, that's going to be a problem with every NFL team. I don't think you're going to see as much stuff if you had in the past. And, man, if you have that key injury, you know, I mean, a great team could really go down if you lose a a big quarterback or running back or or something like that. So it's going to be about attrition. It'll be interesting to see um, what ends up happening there. So, very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, we have these preseason rankings. And, hey, we make fun of them. But, look, we're all fighting here. I mean, you know, it's May. You know, we're looking for content. We're looking for things to talk about. Um, you know, we have other shows on our network, but we value our Steelers talks. And we're going to talk Steelers. Um, think about all these NFL publications, these NFL websites. They can't just say, hey, come back in August. It's summer. You know, I mean, we got to get the stories out there. We got to get stuff that people are interested in. Well, CBS had their story. Um, they ranked our, the preseason defenses in the NFL. Um, the Steelers were ranked fifth which I, I don't think it's tremendously low, but some people got a little bit rankled because they ranked the Ravens higher, which Ravens got good defense. I think it's probably at the same level as Pittsburgh, in my opinion. But now we're ranking the Browns at a higher defensive position, which, Joe, I mean, the Browns, they're up-and-coming team. Sadly, the Browns beat us in the playoffs. But, you know, the Browns... They didn't win the playoff game like ten to nothing or seven to nothing. They had to win by they had to score a lot. And honestly, for as bad as the Steelers played in that game, the Browns defense almost let the Steelers back in that game. I right. mean, they did their best to give up tons and tons of points. Now they got good. Um, their first two picks were pretty good. I don't know if those first two picks were going to totally change the tide. Why why do people have all this confidence in the Browns' defense? I'm a little bit confused here. Well, there's a hot pick, so that's one. They did add some some things in the in the draft, and they added Clowney. So, you know, there's a there's a lot of expectation there, and that's fine. We're 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 projecting way, way far ahead. So sure, why not? 
this is where journalism comes into play, and you, uh, you, uh, especially sports journalism, where you uh, throw some spice out there in the middle of a a, a, a preseason pick of best defenses, and then you know stir some stir the pot a little bit and get podcasters talking about it. So, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily call them the third best defense in the NFL. Uh, I wouldn't. I'm not looking at it and getting hot about it because I, you know, how dare they put them above the Steelers? Uh, I, in in fact, I think it's weird that the Steelers are in the top five uh, because we we we're losing some pieces and we have some more pieces that have to fall into place for uh, really for I'm really confident that we're not the the fifth best defense in the in the league. Uh, these things are impossible to really predict. Uh, and all of this would change very quickly as soon as we get on the field and see what happens. And, you know, I really think, and again, we're saying this is a 17-game season, so maybe it's way too crazy to think that the Steelers are not going to have injuries. If they can stay healthy, their first unit's good, and I, I think it's the second unit. I mean, if we have injuries, this goes from a, a great defense to a pretty tough de- uh, defense. Um yeah, you're right. Um, and, and hey, if you like to see it for any amount of time, understand, you know, Pittsburgh has always gotten a great uh, fan base and everything. But man, everyone likes to bury the Steelers. Everyone likes to count the Steelers out for dead. And there have been years in the past with Mike Tomlin where, you know, people sit here at this time of year and say, oh man, Steelers, you know, they're going down and everything. I wouldn't count the Steelers by any means yet. And yeah. I'll be honest, when you look, and we'll talk about this. What do you want? Let's bring this up now. One of the other subjects we we're going to talk about in terms of Browns and Steelers was, you know, obviously we lost the last two games a year against the Browns. Uh, first game was kind of like one of those games that the Browns needed to make the playoffs and Steelers didn't. So I can understand Browns win there, obviously. And, boy, I still feel weird even saying this, Joe, that the Browns beat us in the playoffs. It just sounds – Browns and Browns in, in playoffs those don't go in the same sentence for us. Yes, uh, unless missed the is involved. Yes, so, uh, so it's so weird to think that they got a playoff win against yeah, I, anyone, really, frankly. But yeah, yeah, uh, it's just very strange to talk about. But bringing that up, Juju uh, Smith Schuster, who's never afraid to give his opinions on stuff. Um, he, not so much. He was kind of surmising about the season. He was kind of you know giving. You know, he was writing his memoirs of last season. And he said, hey, the Browns were hungry in there. They wanted more than we did, which I, I agree with that assessment. I got to tell you, Joe, yes, on paper, the Browns had a good offseason. Yes, on paper, the Browns are a up-and-coming team. I got to tell you, and we'll talk about this in the next couple months before the season starts, I am still not sold on Baker Mayfield. Yes, I, I can see – I know the Browns uh, signed a good safety. I know the Browns made some improvements. They're going to be a better team. But, man, unless you're sure about your franchise quarterback, and, you know, there were some games where, you know, Mayfield looked great last year for the Browns. There were games he really didn't look that good for the Browns. And I'll tell you, we're going to say the same thing about the Steelers this year. If If Big Ben could write himself and play like he did at the beginning of the year, I think the Steelers got a legitimate chance. If Big Ben looks like he did against the Bengals, you know, holy cow, you know, we're gonna end up the year of Mason Rudolph as a quarterback. But I you yeah. know, if we could say that about the Steelers, we could say that a hundred times more about the Browns. And yeah, Baker Mayfield's younger, he had a good year last year. But I saw some Baker Mayfield games where he looked bad. And I, I'll tell you, I wouldn't count the Browns as a Super Bowl contender until I'm certain that Baker Mayfield is good consistently because he hasn't been so far. Consistency is the game, uh, even if even if it's uh, uh, consistent mediocrity. Uh, <laughs> consistent, and you know what you've got. It's hard to gamble. Um, yeah, there was a couple of games at the end of the season last year where where Ben looked bad. Uh, it wasn't always his fault. I think there was a lot of the the offensive coordination that was rough, uh, and he's playing. You know, uh, off he's playing put in a really bad position a lot of times. Uh, but you know, we can all say, Oh, you know, he really didn't look that good at the end of the season. Oh, he put up 37 points in a uh, in a playoff game. That's not bad. 
That's not bad playing. He played fine. It would be nice if the other team didn't score 48. It would be nice if his center didn't hike the ball over his head into the end zone for a, for a touchdown for the other team. These things also would help. Uh, you know, if you go back and look at, look at the score from the, from the, the playoff game, that's a, a 14 point swing right there. Instead of the Steelers marching down and getting their seven, they gave up seven. Uh, that 14 point swing would, would mean a win. And so he threw it, for, he threw for 500 yards in that game. And you granted, really can't complain when a guy threw for 500 yards. And, and granted the Browns, since they got up so quick, you know, they were able to play more loose on defense. I get that. Absolutely. At a certain point. But sure. the Browns' pass defense is still not great. And remember, what was it, two years ago when they got o- Odell Beckham Jr. And, man, it was going to be the season of dreams. And they got all these guys coming at one time. It was like a fancy football day or a Madden day where you just signed 500 new players. And everyone's like, holy crap, Browns are going to be undefeated. They ended up with a losing record because it doesn't happen like that in real life. You need consistency and everything. And I don't think the Browns are going to completely fall apart, but you know, I look at this with the conversations we have in the past couple minutes, you look at their defense. Yes. They brought in some bodies in, but there's a lot of bodies coming in. There's a lot of rookies coming in that you better hope they, you know, I'm, you're assuming that they're all going to come in and, and start, rocking on the first day and, and mold together cohesively. That doesn't always happen. It doesn't. No. Um, you know, they got a cornerback from Northwestern who's supposedly pretty good. He's probably a starting cornerback. Last time they got a cornerback early um, that was supposed to be good, he got benched. That's why the Browns had to look for another cornerback. So I wouldn't sit here and put a ton of stock in the Browns because we've been there. We've heard that before. Right. Look at teams like the Ravens. The Ravens aren't super sexy. The Ravens don't always go out and get humongous name free agents every year. Ravens always are pretty good. Uh, that's because they have consistency in their coaching. Hey, I'm a Stewart fan. I don't like the Ravens, but no. they don't completely fall apart. They, right. they consistently say some level of good. So, so I say that. So to the guy that said the Browns have the uh, top five defense in the league, Let's wait until the year starts. Uh, I mean, there's a wait, chance it could happen, but there's also a chance that Dwayne Haskins could catch fire and be our new franchise quarterback. It's right. not a great chance. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the time of year where everybody's looking on paper, and on paper, they look good. There's a lot of numbers uh, sure. that would support them being the third best defense in the league. This, but the, the game is played on the field, so we'll wait and see what happens there. The other side of the uh, the possibility of the, the Browns having a rough start again is they have not played well yet with Odell Beckham on the field. Yeah, that hasn't happened. I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. But this goes to what you were talking about, where having just a bunch of great players and put them on the field doesn't always translate into it being a great team. Odell Beckham has not played well in Cleveland. And I know that uh, a lot of commentary has been that, oh, he needs to get out of Cleveland so he can play well again. I I don't know. And I wouldn't necessarily blame the Browns. I don't know if I'd blame OBJ as well. It's just it, it may not be a great fit, but. When did they start doing well last year? When Beckham got hurt, and I don't wish that on him. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't, I can't, I can't say what he's, what, how he functions into the locker room, into the the whole scheme of everything. I can't say how that works, but I know the fact is that they started putting things together when he went out, and it opened up a whole lot of other options on the offense where. Uh, Mayfield's starting to to spread the ball around a little bit more instead of trying to force it into Beckham. So strange things happen like that. And he's coming back, so they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and find a new scheme that's going to work out where everybody can be there at the same time. Baker Mayfield is not a good quarterback when Odell Beckham is in the lineup because if you watch them play, I, I think Odell wants his touches and his targets, and hey, any receiver worth their salt does. Sure, I, you, you know. Good night. We live with under AB, which you know AB got mad if he didn't get enough targets. So I, I totally get that, and it happens. But at the same time, Mayfield was forcing the ball into Beckham. Mayfield didn't look that good. 
So, again, we're Steelers podcast. What are we going to say? We're going to be critical of the Browns. We're going to make fun of the Browns. But I legitimately, hey, there's a chance everything could go well for them and they could win a ton of games. I wouldn't count on it. I, I mean, honestly, I mean, I I wouldn't be betting tons of money if you're a Browns fan right now. Sorry. <laughs> so, I, what's in with this? And I, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, you know, when the um, last year started, what different season of the NFL? Um, you know, a lot of games didn't have fans. Um, near the end of the year when we started to have fans, probably I think the Steelers had like 10% at the most. And, you know, I don't think there's any same that really had more than 20%. It's interesting to see how that affects players. Like you think of like, you know, Renegade. You play Renegade, the fans go nuts. That really seems to help the Steelers' defense at times. Right. I wonder how much of a difference it made when you're playing almost like a practice game where there's nobody in the stands and everything. Eric Ebron, um, tight end. He didn't have a terrible year last year, but he didn't have a mind-blowing year either. He's talking to, to reporters this week saying, man, I can't wait for the fans to come back. You know, that's what I was looking forward to when I came to Pittsburgh. Do you think that for some of these players, be it Eric Ebron, be it another young, talented Steeler, or even a guy like Big Ben, I'm wondering if, does your performance go up? Is there going to be any amount of change that you see once the new season starts? Because we're expecting to see more a return to normal in terms of the number of fans and everything. I'm wondering if anybody had not a horrible year because of this or a little worse of a year because they really didn't have the fans like they did before. It's yeah. I the the effect that a crowd has on any event really uh is is huge. Um uh, that home field advantage is a real thing. Uh, that feeling of when uh, the, the stadium starts rocking, when everybody pops for something big happening, it changes the course of games. When that interception happens and someone's making a run back trying to, trying to get a pick six, you know, the crowd cheering adds to the chaos of the moment and, you know, makes it more possible for those kinds of things to happen. Just that excitement in the room. Uh, I know that happens for me as a performer, as an actor. I'm up on stage when the when the crowd is really into it. That makes a huge difference for what I'm doing as a performer. Uh, the times when I've I've played sports, uh, a really rocking crowd, and getting music behind it, and uh, you know a, a crowd that's that's stomping the stadium down. It's uh, an entirely different environment. Uh, I, that was the big complaints for almost every major sport last year. They're like, this is like a practice game. This is a this is a high school game right now when no one's here. Uh, yeah, it plays a big difference, and I know that everybody's really excited to have play have uh, fans back in the stands. Uh, those teams where crowd noise usually plays a, a big part of their game. Seattle, uh, Pittsburgh's usually a great home crowd. Uh, the the New Orleans Saints. Uh, it's a different place to play when. There's no noise, and it's just silent. For a year and a half, I used to cover the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. I I live here in in the Columbus area, and it was fascinating because at the end of some games, like we would go interview the players, we'd come back to the press box, and we'd write. And that's where we end up writing at. Well, the same will empty out. You know, obviously people aren't sticking around an hour or two after the game. But there was a couple times, Joe, where we had a – like there was a Columbus police against Columbus fire hockey game, you know, and there might be a wives and girlfriends in the crowd, but sure. obviously there wasn't a filled up stadium. Uh, they actually had a state title hockey game there once. Uh, maybe a section was filled, but the rest of the stadium was quiet. I got to tell you, Joe, very eerie. Uh, we mm-hmm. had somebody, a big Buckeye fan that was at the Sugar Bowl this year, Ohio State beat Clemson. Uh, to make it the national title game. He said very few people were there. And it was eerie because he was like, this is like the Sugar Bowl. This is a game that everyone's watching around the country. Everyone's excited about. It's a, a high-ticket game. And you're there. It's like a game that nobody cares about because nobody's there. And obviously it's because of COVID and everything. 
I kind of wonder. Now, I'm not saying, holy crap, you know, Eric Ebron's going to be Travis Kelsey next year because there's going to be fans <laughs> in the crowd. But you no. wonder, near the end of the season, you know, we had dropsies on a lot of the Steelers. We had a bunch of weird things happening. Could you blame that on no crowd? I wouldn't necessarily say directly, but to say that it has no effect whatsoever and it has nothing and you just go out there and do your job and uh, you're a professional, you should just do it. Yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, there's the, the, the whole body is a part of this process and the, uh, the part that's kicking out adrenaline when the crowd's into it and you're in that first quarter and everybody's looking for that kickoff to go really, really well, or, or we're, we're getting ready to go into the, uh, the, in, in, into uh, halftime and we're trying to play that last two minutes. That's where the tension comes from. The crowd going crazy. Uh, th that's a big part of it. And for that to not be there, it doesn't really kick off the adrenaline glands that you're used to using when you're, when you're approaching these high tension points of the game. So it's part of it, but I wouldn't blame it all on it. But to uh, say that it shouldn't have any effect is, I think it's just, that's foolish. Eric Ebron also made some interesting news over the weekend. Uh, real quick, my, my opinion on Tim Tebow, I, in the NFL, you can pick whoever you want to pick to make it on your team. If you make a dumb pick, it's going to end up costing the coach down the road. Now, they didn't draft Tim Tebow number one in the draft. They no. signed him to be an extra guy that might make the team. Mm -hmm. We signed lots of guys for that. The Steelers have signed guys that if we went through the whole list, you're like, oh, man, I've never heard of this guy before. I'd be yeah. mad if he made the team. Yeah, Tim Tebow is a much more high-profile name than one of those guys. But in essence, Tim Tebow is like the random dude the Steelers signed to come to a, a mini camp. You know what I mean? It, it is what it is. I, I think Tim Tebow's gets a little bit too much flack. And, you know, maybe it's because of his outspoken faith. I, I, I don't know what it is. But I don't understand the overall hatred because they signed him. Because they never said, hey, Tim Tebow is going to be our number one tight end. You know, look out, everybody. They brought him in. Yeah. I mean, if he sucks, cut him. I mean, I like, I don't. I don't understand what the thing is. So Eric Ebron, apparently they have some unofficial tight end academy camp or whatever. I, I'm sure it's just guys getting together over the offseason to have drinks and work out. I mean, I, I don't think there's a little college of tight end academy or tight end camp over it. It's just guys getting together. You know, like we get together to have this podcast here. Right. Well, you know, and I guess Ebron hangs out with Kittle and um, of the 49ers and Travis Kelsey. Um, Eric Ebron, I think you need to learn a little bit more off of Kelsey and George Kittle. Can we be more like those guys? Um, but, you know, Eric Ebron, Kyle off Flack, why are you inviting Tim Tebow to your tight end camp? Joe, this is evidence of a story that's way too overblown. It's May. You know, we, get, we have to fill time. So we're talking about Tim Tebow. I think it's overblown. Well, I'm not even 100% sure what his tweet meant. Uh, we inviting Tebow to TE underscore university with the eyeballs looking over to the one side. And then he tags Kittle, Kelsey, and Greg Olson. Uh, I don't even, with the eye, I don't know what the eyeballs mean. I don't know. Is he being, it's possible he's being sarcastic, but probably, but hopefully not. Why not invite the guy? Doesn't matter. In fact, Frankly, nobody knew this tight end university existed until somebody invited Tim Tebow. Um, I don't know. The whole Tim Tebow thing to me, uh, I think it's weird. Uh, I don't know why he wants to do it. Um, it just seems really out of place. He hasn't played any football in a really long time. The the What it comes down to for me is what game uh, the coach is playing here, you know? He's bringing in a guy who he was close to in the past. Invite a friend. Come sit down. Go to the mini camp with us. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Like you said, there are a lot of people getting invited to mini camps that aren't going to make the team. And I doubt Tebow's going to make the team. He's not tall enough. He's not big enough. He's not pushing people around. He's not going to make a great tight end. I don't, I wouldn't think. 
unless there's something that's happening there that I don't know anything about that uh, uh, being mildly successful at baseball turns you into a better uh, tight end. Um, it's So the questions that I've seen out that make sense to me are, is he inviting Tebow in? Uh, like it's a bad idea for him to bring in Tebow because it's all kinds of distraction. It's taking attention away from the new quarterback hire who's supposed to be the greatest quarterback since sliced quarterback. Um, so, the, you know, the, a lot of people are saying that's a bad thing. You're taking attention away from this guy, or are you bringing him in specifically? Cause you know, it's going to take attention away from that guy and that guy can get himself acclimated to the team and to professional football, uh, a, a little bit more out of the spotlight. Cause you got, uh, the tight end who's not going to make the team causing a bunch of distraction over here. Um, I, I feel like there's probably more to those mind games happening than there is to legitimacy to him ending up on the team as a quarter, as a as a tight end. I'm gonna blow your mind. I'm not a huge Tim Tebow supporter, but Tim Tebow came out at the wrong time. The, when Tim Tebow became a NFL um, draftee, you know we were all like, "All right, these quarterbacks got to be in the pocket. They got to be not running." Um, you know, you look at the running quarterbacks in college. You didn't see that many guys getting drafted. I mean, yeah, some guys were able to run, like Elway uh, ran a little bit more. But with the exception of Michael Vick, you know, we were drafting these mountain guys who could throw along and everything. Well, Tim Debo was never that guy. The Broncos made a mistake. They shouldn't have drafted in the first round. Because you draft a guy in the first round, you want to be the franchise quarterback. Tim Debo never would have been your franchise quarterback. If I'm Urban Meyer of Jacksonville, I wouldn't have brought in Tim Tebow to be a tight end. What I would say is I need a third-string quarterback. Tim Tebow's my guy. And then what you do is if you get on the one-yard line, you bring Tim Tebow in to be that guy to sneak it in from the one or run the goal line offense. I think that's where Tim Tebow could be effective. And, yeah, he's not going to go Hall of Fame. He's not going to be your franchise quarterback. But I think that's where you can make an argument for the effectiveness of Tim Tebow. Well, that's where this gets extra weird. Why bring him in as a tight end? It's such a strange thing. Now, I know he's, you know, uh, Myers got several quarterbacks already. I wouldn't right. cut anybody to make room for Tim Tebow um, to, before practices or anything. But, yeah, it's funny uh, because I kind of think of Tim Tebow <laughs> – and his playing style and where he fits into uh, the life of a franchise, almost like Garner Minshew. He's this guy that you want to root for that, you know, he's that spunky player. He's almost like Baker Mayfield. Uh, the guy who you, you like rooting for who may still not really be your franchise quarterback. Hey, and you look the only person who I think turned that around really and became that <clears throat> franchise quarterback when you didn't expect him to is Drew Brees. That's what? who I think of as a guy who was not expected really to be your franchise guy who became an all-time great. Don't overlook the power of merchandising either. I mean, you look at the Jags website. Sell some sell some t-shirts. Yeah. Man. And yeah, and you're gonna sell a Trevor Lawrence jersey because he's your number sure. one. Sure. Man, if you sign Tim you're not signing. You're not signing any tight end jerseys. You know, if to, to sell jerseys, that's not happening. He he could be your fifty third player. He doesn't have to play a, a snap. But man, if you sign jerseys, you get more money. And nobody gave a crap about Jacksonville last year. I mean, mm. who were you buying a jersey of in Jacksonville last year at all? Didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that guy was the guy. I mean, I don't. Oh he man, the mustache was gorgeous. It was wonderful. Yeah, I think but... I think there should be more players like that on teams like Jacksonville. You know, if you, you're going to struggle to win, just do something that's entertaining at least. Come on, man! Like it should at least be fun to watch your team. And they should do something that's going to make them show highlights, even if you get stuffed at the one. Like make them show a highlight. That's so great. Yeah, Gardner Minshew was Florida man, right? I mean, he's the closest thing to Florida man Jacksonville's guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I'm for it. That's cool. Okay. And, that and, doesn't bother me. You know, unless Trevor Lawrence totally flames out, you know, Minshew's not going to play. Probably not. So why not? You, you got Tim Tebow. 
You got the popular guy in there. Tebow's played for Florida. So, yeah, I mean, there's got to be a sense of how do you get the pop culture? How do you get people talking about your team? Should yeah, be. but it is definitely long-term. It's a distract. It's a big distraction. I think the kind of distraction of Tebow being a, a, a on the tight end list down on the tight end depth chart instead of on the quarterback chart is a is a different monster altogether. I I, I really feel like if he were on the depth chart as a quarterback, it would be a huge distraction. It's proven to be. It's not Tim's fault. It's everybody else's fault. But it's a reality. If he's on that depth chart, it's gonna be an issue. It's gonna no, I, come up all I, I the time, appreciate. and it will get in in uh, Trevor Lawrence's head. But if they're smart about it, it shouldn't be a distraction, unless uh, Tim Tebow comes in and looks like Travis Kelsey and is catching everything thrown to him, and we we now have the conversation like. Holy crap, this guy is a great tight end. Why did we miss him for nine years? And then, or if he, or if they gave him the quarterback, if you start throwing passes and people are like, man, we shouldn't have drafted Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Tim Tebow should be our quarterback, you know, which I, I don't see happening. He's, if, he's, if he throws as ugly as he ever did, that's not going to happen. You're going to look at that going, I don't even know how the physics work for how that ball got down the field. Well, and I think back in boy, I hate bring back. I mean, I mentioned a. Don't you mention it? Hour. Don't you mention it? How yeah, dare you? Don't bring it, it is up. Is that dumb night where we made Tim? Everybody, Tebow they we were all out of position, and uh, Ryan Clark couldn't play because we were in uh, we were in Denver. Uh, like so, don't bring it up. You you know what happened? We blitzed Tim Tebow. And for some reason, they picked it up and it looked good. You yep. think about the next week, they go into New England. New England just played a base D. They just let Tim Tebow come to him. Yep. And Tim Tebow threw, what, 20 yards the next week? And yeah, something like that. Won, like 80 or nothing or something. Yeah. I mean, if we didn't blitz, we'd be fine. But, you know, we blitzed. Uh, and that, that game, and, and maybe that's why I'm always solid Tim Tebow. I, I like the guy. Uh, I'm a guy of faith, so I like the, the fact he's a Christian, but – I, I've always been sour ever since that awful playoff night. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind him being a Christian at all. That doesn't – that's not anything. But uh, well, being a Stewart fan, seeing what he did to us that awful night. Yeah, absolutely. Good question to end our time with sure. the Steelers on. Boy, I hate – man, this is tough. People are going to be listening to the show. They want us to be all upbeat. All <laughs> We're going to end with this awful question. And I, oh, no. I, I hate to ask this. What was the worst playoff loss? I'll give you three. Oh, no. The the night Tim Tebow outdid us. uh, The night that the Browns got up 20 nothing after the first quarter. Uh, Or the night. Oh, here's another one. The day that the Chargers beat us in the AFC title game. And remember, that was a Chargers team that should not have come close to us. Remember, they uh, beat the Steelers and they went on to get just destroyed by the Four in the Super Bowl. What was the worst playoff loss in your opinion? Mm, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna go with the Browns. Uh, rivalries, rivalries a thing, but the yeah. fact that you gave up 28 in the first quarter and scored zero, that's the worst. Um, you lose, you lose to one play that he he busted you on a blitz and your coverage wasn't in place. Uh, you know, that happens. That's one play and you feel like it, it stings because you feel like we should have, we could have won. We maybe should have won, but getting, getting our butts handed to us in the first quarter by the Cleveland Browns, that just stings in a way that will never go away. On a Sunday night, national TV. Oh gosh. Why yeah. stop talking about it? Yeah. Like I was a kid <laughs> when we lost to the Browns at home, like 51, nothing, but that was a Sunday one o'clock game where neither team was that great, and it just happened. It, it was tough, man. Mm-hmm. I was a junior high at the time. It was hard. But at least it was a 1 o'clock game. To do that mm-hmm. on national televised, it's the playoffs. Uh, it's tough. Just too Come on, come back. We, we need to get back into it because I, I – I want more football. I, I my last glimpse of Steelers football was on a tough day, so it's tough. Sorry about that, guys. Hate to we'll watch, that, we'll watch that out. We'll watch that out as soon as we get to get the season going. It'll be right. fine. It'll be fine. 
<laughs> yeah. Next week we'll talk about the top fifteen horrible moments of Seal Train. No, why? I don't want to talk about that. That'll be good. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks, Joe. Be great. Hey, we miss Paul. We're expecting Come Paul back, back Paul. next week. We need Paul. It should be good. And uh, shout out to everybody who listens. We really appreciate it. Uh, check out each show each week on the High Wind Network. Uh, subscribe. Give us a review. Follow our sponsors. Um, yeah, I wanted to mention them. Uh, Chase Bank. Um, you look for a new bank. Try Chase Bank. Um, you know, sign for account through our link on our website or on our on the podcast provider, and um, you set up your direct deposit and get two hundred twenty five dollars. Um, if you're looking for furniture, don't go out. You know, COVID's so rough out there. Go to Ashley Home Store. Use our link. They're going to give you a discount coupon. I signed up. I got a coupon two seconds. You're like, here, here's some savings for you. You go on the website. You can buy it online. Arrange for delivery. You're good to go. Check out Ashley Home Store. Well, for Joe, this is Chris. Thanks, everybody. You have a great day. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope to learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.